You're listening to the mother of all solutions. The other thing which I've tried to explain to other people who are thinking about getting pregnant and thinking about moving role at the same time is that it is terrifying to think about starting a new role and making those new impressions when you are in a state of young motherhood. You're listening to the mother of all solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome to the first recording of the Mother of All Solutions for 2020. Um, we're in my home in South London, interviewing Nell Bose today. Um, so welcome, Nell, to the recording. Hello, lovely to be here. Oh, well, very glad to have you here. Um, we've got a slightly different format for today. We're also joined by Lily Anderson Nichols. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Some of you may remember Lily from episode two. I actually interviewed Lily as our HR professional and general guru and supporter of the podcast. So mm-hmm. we thought it would be delightful to welcome Lily to do the interviewing in the main really and I'll be sort of supporting and chipping in with some anecdotes and some insights along the way but as Lily introduced me to Nell and suggested that Nell come on board for the interview we thought it would be much stronger to have Lily as the lead voice on the episode Mm -hmm. and also from listening to other podcasts recently having two voices interview and lead a conversation together makes for a nice listen or so we hope yeah Um, sounds like a good plan yeah (laughs) I hope so too um so that's the idea Okay, so I think we're probably ready to mm-hmm. get started with our questions. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, Lily's going to be leading it, but just to get us started and to get us into the vibe, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask a question to Nell and to Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lily, as I've said, you introduced Nell to me and for the podcast, and you met when you both had your babies, your first mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. so that's how right. you met. Yeah. So that was like roughly five years, is that correct? So yeah, just over ago. five years yeah. ago. Yeah, it would have been. Five years in February. There we go. So five it's years a five year anniversary. Absolutely. Yeah. So we should do something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> involving gin, right? I was going to say yeah. involving gin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so with that five year period in mind, what's the biggest change between then and now? Who's going to go first? Yeah. <laughs> I was having a bit of a think about this, actually, um, because so many things have changed over the last five years. And the key is really a boring answer. It's it's fine. <laughs> I've had two children. Like, that is the most <laughs> enormous change in my yep. life. It has changed absolutely everything about my day-to-day, about how I think about the future, about my priorities, about uh, everything from career to relationship to friendships. So, and... I remember my partner talking to somebody a couple of weeks after Sam was born and kind of going, it's like a bit like a nuclear bomb going off in your life. (laughs) It's just epic. And it's wonderful Mm. because you're suddenly in love Mm. in this incredible way. Um, And I've been lucky enough to be in love with both my boys. Um, But it changes everything. Okay, absolutely. How about you, Lily? How about me? I found this quite a challenging question, actually. Um, And I'm similar to now. I mean, my life has changed in so many different ways, but there's not one thing that is specific in terms of changes. I think one thing I would say, and this has become, this is very recent for me, actually, Mm. is that I am much, much, much more assured in terms of who I am 
and what I'm about, which I'm quite surprised by. So parenthood has done that for me in a lot of ways. And I've had from having Molly through to having Freddie and to the point that I'm at now, you know, work wise, it's been I think the nuclear bombs for me have been work-wise. Mm. So I've had some tricky situations. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. I've had some big challenges work-wise. Um, and so I've got to the point where I feel like actually knowing myself, knowing what I'm about, mm. knowing what makes me feel okay and what doesn't, mm. um, knowing how to keep myself happy, how to look after myself, yeah. um, actually in order to be a good mum has become really important um so yeah I think I'm much more assured in terms of what I am about in the last five years and a lot of it is to do with being a good mother and showing Molly and Freddie that I'm a strong confident mum and that you know yeah they can look to me essentially fantastic yeah wow I mean I think that's an amazing thing. I know. To <laughs> I'm not. Answer, I'm not totally like I've still got lots more to go. What's the answer? Like? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not you know. I'm. I'm still going. You know. It's, it's every day's. You know. Of course, it's a bit of a cliche, but every day's a learning. But I just know a lot more about what I'm about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I. I don't think I would necessarily say I'm fully at that point yet. But I think I, it was probably you, Lily. I talked about. Like, even though I'm a lot greyer than I was uh, five years ago. But, you know, there's other things in my life that I do feel more comfortable, assured with, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you're getting at yeah, as well, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, something for us all to aspire towards, right? Uh, I'll, I'll let you know I'm getting on with that. <laughs> that's where I'm at at the moment. So um, back over to you now. Um, so we want to talk to you really about the work that you were doing before you had Sam Mm -hmm. so you've done some quite senior jobs in the past um to get an understanding what you know what your career was like what the jobs were and then becoming pregnant yeah and how things may have changed for you so it'd be really helpful to to start talking about what we you know in terms of your career history where did you start and where did you get to? So I guess I came out of university, um, I did a natural sciences degree, I had no idea what I wanted to do, okay. I went and did some theatre in Edinburgh, I joined a dot-com in Old Street, which was hilarious fun for a year until the bubble burst. Um, I did a master's in philosophy at LSE, um, I went sailing for six months um, from South America to England, um, and then kind of fell into a sub-editing job, um, not really ever having thought of journalism as a path for me, but turns out geeking out over um, grammar and sentences was totally my bag, and I loved it. Um, So I got, I guess my first proper, proper job was with Nature, the Mm. science journal. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a sub-editor there, um, and it was fab because I got to I get my head around lots of different subjects every week from quantum physics to, uh, I don't know, colours of snake skin. But I was quite ambitious and I think I came out of the whole schooling system, university system with a, the one, a wanting to get A's, wanting to be first, wanting to win at stuff and I just, without much thought, applied that to my career. Mm-hmm. So I went to join The Guardian as a production editor on the Culture Desk 
which was great because I managed to do culture and science and I never really managed to decide between the arts and science in my whole life. So I worked my way up at The Guardian and I became managing editor of Guardian Online, I guess when I was 31, um, which was which a is big, young, big jump. Big, big, big job at 31, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it was great to have, for them to have that confidence in me. I remember looking at a balance yeah. sheet um, on my like second day, trying to get my head around P&Ls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the nice lady in accounts going, so when it's got brackets around it, that means it's a minus. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's good to know. Gosh, there's a lot of minuses. Is this where we're starting from? Yeah. I mean, it was the Guardian back when we were trying to work out the model for journalism. So you know, um, so we did. Uh, that was really. I mean, it was really exciting, and I definitely felt like I was making strides. And uh, in 2011, I got to go out to the US with um, the editor in chief to set up the Guardian's US branch. So we were in New York. We arrived. We had. Uh, eight staff and we grew to about 65 in 18 months wow and, and working in HR that's a phenomenal <laughs> growth it was kind of a crazy yeah, ride we were is, yeah. recruiting uh, we were recruiting like Billy O yeah. um, I'm trying to not swear on this podcast you can swear I think <laughs> yeah. yeah I think um, low grade swearing is low grade swearing yeah. Yeah. right okay not like mum's net <laughs> <laughs> um, so we recruited um a ton of people we were trying to work out a new model for sustainable journalism we were operating in a different commercial environment mm-hmm. um i was trying to hold together kind of different bits of the business which is partly what a managing editor does so mm-hmm. um journalism isn't very good at managing people because you kind of tend to get really talented mm-hmm. writers and editors mm-hmm. who get promoted and building the team is not necessarily one of the things that made them an incredibly talented writer and editor so there's this sort of so hence you get this managing editor role that is more a kind of like right how do we grow the team how Mm. do we get different departments to talk to each other Mm -hmm. um uh, which I really loved because I loved that translation bit that Mm -hmm. kind of right let's get commercial talking to editorial talking to tech um uh so that was very exciting Mm -hmm. and um how long did you do that for so we did that for two years yeah um, and that's kind of when non-career life impinged. So I'd started going out with this lovely guy four weeks before moving to New York. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, before uh, moving to New before. York. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, we decided to give it a go and we did long distance and the poor planet uh, suffered an awful lot of carbon emissions. Um, yeah. But uh, he was before lovely. Before we were really woke on it, though, I guess. Yeah, even so, I felt pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, but used to pop back to London for the weekend and things. Yeah. Um, uh, and we had a bit of a summit. We sat down and we kind of went right. Okay, so are we gonna? We are gonna be together. So are we gonna be together in the UK or the US? Um, and it, at the time, it made sense for me to come back to the UK. Of course, he then promptly got a job in the US. What? <laughs> uh, but then he managed to get it transferred to the UK, at which the Guardian then asked me to go back to the US if I possibly could. Uh, so we spent about six months getting jobs in different continents. But we finally both ended up in London. You should have got the HR departments of both your jobs to talk to each other. Yeah, but then they were all different comments. The timings were hilariously out. Um um, and then I came back to London deciding that what I wanted to do was go for COO roles, um, but I wanted to try lots of different sizes of companies because I'd really enjoyed being in effectively this little startup in the US. Um, and I felt like I wanted to do some short-term contracts to get a different strings to my bow in order to 
head for those mm. big roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but also wanted to have a family. So yeah. we started trying to have a baby and I kind of like, well, let's kind of see where this goes. So did you... St- so you knew you were doing fixed-term contracts at the point you yeah, had that Yeah, that was definitely what yeah. the kind of game plan was. Okay, um, yeah. And then I got pregnant with Sam. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it felt really helpful because I knew that even though I was pregnant, what I was going to talk to people about was like a six-month contract mm-hmm. because I wanted to get that experience, get those skills. They, The people I was talking to normally wanted somebody to come in on an interim basis. Yeah. Um, and... So, and I felt that I couldn't really go for long-term jobs while pregnant. Okay. Which I don't think is the right approach. I think that's the wrong mindset. And I know where it comes from, but I have always, whenever I've talked to other people about their careers, Mm. tried to get them to not think like I did. So so what, yeah, go on. No, no, I imagine a lot of women think like that, going if they're pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant they wouldn't then look even for a new job, let alone a, a job yeah. they really wanted. You know, they'd be like, oh. And I actually really look at If it's more. a job you really want, you're going to stay in for like five years, yeah. maybe 10 years. Yeah. Six to 12 months is neither here nor there. So just going back to, to that now, what was your thought process in terms of, I'll just pick up a six-month contract? Because from from your perspective, you know, how secure did you feel? So it's a valid question. So I thought there was a bit of me that was thinking, this feels fair. I can get a six month contract with somebody and then I will have my baby and then I'll find another six month contract after that. Mm -hmm. And then we'll carry on with the plan as it was, but with six to 12 months, however long maternity leave feels like a good time Mm -hmm. in between. And I was lucky enough to do that because I was in a partnership with somebody else who was bringing in some money. Yeah. And I think that that meant that we could balance the uncertainty of exactly what job I was mm-hmm. going to be doing at what point yeah. with a fairly with a fairly guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. I was really conscious at that point that I wanted our relationship to be equal. Yeah. And that I think that financial pressures can often act against that um it's totally fine to rely on each other and allow one person to be the kind of secure secure role Mm -hmm. what I didn't want was for that to be the case all the way through our lives yeah absolutely and I think what I've seen happen is that one person becomes a breadwinner Mm -hmm. and you don't want them to be carrying that burden for the whole family for the whole of your relationship mm-hmm. because that isn't really equal and there are pressures that go with knowing that you're bringing in the lion's share of the income to a family mm-hmm. and so a lot of what I thought about in terms of the jobs that I went for after being pregnant were about keeping me on a track that meant that there would be a point when I could be the main breadwinner Mm. and my other half, John, could step back. Okay, yeah. And it's quite nice that you were thinking about it for yourself as well. You you know, you were thinking, Mm -hmm. I'm making some assumptions here Mm. now, but, like, you didn't want to not be a breadwinner, right? Okay, you were like, it's not just about equality, it's also about, you've said before you were quite ambitious and you kind of wanted to step back in and 
but also you were thinking about it like you didn't want the pressures on your partner all the way through which I don't think I'd ever really sort of fully reflected on so it's quite nice to think of it from both perspectives yeah. in that way and yeah I, I've been in that position yeah. with with Seb where we've both at different times been the main breadwinner for various reasons mm. you know quitting a job because it was so awful for example that you needed the other person to rely on Mm. or maybe you've got a period where actually you are changing and you want to do something different and you need some time and that must be really healthy to have that kind of balance I think it is I think it's I think it is really healthy and I think the beauty of our relationship is that we see each other in that way and it's not something actually that's ever been spoken between one another but we know that that is the case so I'm working at the moment if Seb wanted to quit and do something else then I would support him in that yeah and I would equally I work part-time I would decide to work full-time if I needed to for a while for example and I think that is a really healthy approach and I think that flexibility the ability to stay in work in a way that allows you to give your partner flexibility is really important it is it is so i'm just wanting to um go to the point you're at so you're pregnant with sam who were you working with when so i worked for a content marketing company yeah i joined them as director of content Mm -hmm. um so i ran all their content teams Mm -hmm. um so marketing is not my passion um but i thought it'd be really useful skill to have and i really loved building up that team Mm -hmm. um And in fact, I would love to talk to you about some of the leadership thoughts that you have, because I think that a lot of what I got out of that role was building up that team. Um, And it is a real source of um, pleasure and meaning Mm. in work. Um, It's nice to hear a leader say that, right? (laughs) (laughs) What, not not, HR, can you go and solve this thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The thing about that wrenching head roll is is really interesting because what you got to see was how... was all the complaints was mm-hmm. people coming mm-hmm. to you going this is not working for mm-hmm. me which I think gives you an interesting perspective mm-hmm. on how to help people mm-hmm. and how to lead them because it's not as immediate as you're as a leader not working for me it's mm-hmm. this person over here isn't working for me and you kind of go oh okay so what could I do that would be better than that oh interesting and then you get to put it in practice yeah yeah um so as in learn how to do it well how to do it better how to improve yeah what can you do yeah. that will mean that people get yeah. what they need out of a out of a boss yeah absolutely yeah. so sorry so I was no 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 um so you had sam yes you were living in north london so i had sam i finished the six-month contract yeah i uh was meant to have sam two weeks later so mm-hmm. i went right up to last minute he came five days early mm-hmm. um uh, after i'd accidentally been cycling and then gone uh how'd you the accidentally <laughs> cycle <laughs> I fell onto well, my bike. And yeah. <laughs> I wanted to buy a present for my cousins that were coming round and I couldn't face walking up to the art shop, so I cycled up to the art shop. <laughs> and then cycled back and yeah. then went out with a mate that night and came back and John had had all his work friends round, so there was pizza boxes and beer everywhere. And so I had, like, a drink. No, probably did I? Probably didn't have a beer. A sip um, of beer. Maybe, a sip of perhaps, beer. Yeah. Um, and went to sleep <laughs> and at 3am woke up and went, oh, okay. Gosh. Oh, Hmm, this is going to be interesting. John is not going to be pleased about this. <laughs> so that bike ride had brought on more than you'd anticipated. Did actually go for an hour-long walk as well. Yeah, it was okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was all my own fault. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, so probably Sam, don't need to go into all that detail. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so Sam was born, and um, 
and I loved him from the very first moment, which I was incredibly grateful for. And uh, it was terrifying and intense, and um, and I, and uh, and I loved it. And um, and about four months in, uh, the company rang me up and went, "Please, please, please, can you come back?" Hmm. Which was, in some ways, really nice because I had been thinking, oh gosh, so not only does my brain not work in any way (laughs) and my breasts hurt and everything hurts and I don't really know how to construct a sentence, at some point I'm going to have to go out and actually find a job (laughs) and persuade someone to give me money to do stuff, which is frankly inconceivable. And also the other thing which I've tried to explain to other people... In, who are thinking about getting pregnant and thinking about moving role at the same time is that it is terrifying to think about starting a new role mm. and making those new impressions mm-hmm. when you are in a state of young motherhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily at your best, really. You are, but you are, not, but you're not at the same. But time. not in the in, not so, yeah. in the way you perhaps were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not able to also to go that extra mile, mm. which is what yeah. I always feel you need to do when you're starting a new project or a yep. new job. You do anything to get it done and get it done in the right way. Mm. So you will work longer hours. I, you might rein that back in once you've got things under control. But mm. definitely, when you hit that new. Yeah, project. But you, you hit it running. You put all your emotion there as well, and your energy. You're and, absolutely right. You know, your emotion. whole self into that. And as there's well. a social element because yeah. you're trying to fit into yeah. a new culture that you don't understand. Yeah. And God knows you have to understand a working culture in order to be effective. Yeah. Um. So there was a. There's always been a part of me that is slightly terrified about starting new stuff while in that state of young motherhood. Mm-hmm. So it was very nice to be mm-hmm. asked back. And the other thing that was really helpful was that because I wasn't asking for a job because I was being asked to go back I felt like I could set my own terms Mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of people who are going back don't have that luxury or don't feel that they have that luxury Mm -hmm. like they should and they should feel able to set those boundaries Mm -hmm. and it's actually easier to maintain those boundaries than I think than it feels like it Mm -hmm. is um, but I was able to say, look, I only want to work three days a week. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come back until Sam is seven months old. Mm-hmm. I am going to leave at five o'clock on the dot. I am not going to check my email when I'm not in the office. Mm-hmm. Like, If you need to ring me because there's a crisis, that's totally fine. Um, but be aware that I might also be breastfeeding. So uh, I felt quite lucky to be able to make those boundaries. And the yeah. really useful thing was that once I'd established those boundaries, I realized how easy it was to maintain them and meant that in future roles I could go in saying hi these are my boundaries yeah Mm -hmm. and I know these work and they'll work for the business and they'll work for me and they'll work for my team yeah wow that's quite a nice place to be able to re-enter the work to to be able to do that after your first baby and to to feel that secure in 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 what you need and what you want and what's going to work was for really you. lucky and something yeah. I wasn't expecting because I was expecting to have to go and find a new job <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely. even if you weren't a new mum it's quite nice just to be asked back right I mean there's mm. something quite yeah, gratifying about yeah. they, they thought oh. I did a good job before you <laughs> yeah. know this is like <laughs> I've never had that before of you <laughs> no no it's lovely so you yeah. did so you went back so you went back some, and obviously on my first day back was a total yeah. nightmare it was the middle of the summer it was like an blisteringly hot day I'd never tried not breastfeeding in the middle of the day so I'd taken my like pump you know Mm -hmm. and about lunchtime I was in 
severe pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a small office, all with glass-walled offices. Oh, I was like, gosh. okay, I'll, I'll just go to the loo. But then there wasn't a power source in the loo, so I had to run to Boots to get a hand pump. Oh, God. And then I ran back. I couldn't work this out how to like use it. It sounds like one of these Netflix sitcoms oh, that are always, oh. like, American ladies doing this. Sort of oh, did you do it? Did sitting you do it? on the floor of the loo, like, having stripped off because it was so hot, trying to get this pump to work, basically in tears, just going, what am I doing? <laughs> Uh, this is ridiculous and farcical but at the same time also quite painful Um, uh, but I managed to get through it and managed to work out how to you know juggle I was working three days a week um, and actually it turned out to be a really lovely mix Mm. of um, time as a grown up doing adult things Mm -hmm. and I think that I've maintained that three days a week mix I've been lucky enough to do that because of what John does um, so financially it's possible um, and the jobs that I've gone for make it possible um, and I love that mix of being a parent and really enjoying that mm-hmm. on the days that you get to solo parent mm-hmm. um, and also having a proper job mm-hmm. and thinking about that. And when you first went back so Sam was seven months was he then with John those three days you're at work or did you find a nursery or a childminder or what childcare arrangements? did you use at that initial stage so we found a nursery and uh he was there for four weeks and uh they were kind of like yeah he's got great attention span he um you know he can really watch peppa pig for a long time (laughs) (laughs) okay um so quite a protective new mum i'm kind of thinking i yeah i don't really feel very comfortable about this Like, that's great about his attention span. Mm. Um, um, And uh, we found actually a recommendation of one of our um, friends from NCT, um, a childminder who was fab. And she had two kids of her own. And we used to uh, cycle over and drop him off. It was about a 15-minute cycle. Um, So we found a little... um, uh, child seat for him and I would cycle him in the morning and leave the child seat and then John would cycle back in the evening and pick him up with the child seat and nice John and I've always always split to pick up some drop-offs absolutely 50 like down yeah. the line um which and we try to do a lot of splitting stuff like that where mm. we can um it's not equal because I do get two days a week with the kids that he doesn't mm-hmm. get because he's been working five days a week for these past five years mm-hmm. um but where possible, we've done that split. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose it's really, we chat more about the other careers that Nell's been through yeah. in jobs. We'll see how the double child scenario oh, yeah. switches yeah. it all around, yeah, doesn't how it? it yeah. it around. Yeah. So I just want to kind of move now towards, obviously, child number two, so Laurie mm. arriving. Um, so Laurie is, what's the gap? Is it two years, roughly? Just two years, three months, yeah. Two years, three months, okay. So when Laurie arrived, what were you doing at that point in time? So I'd done, I'd gone back to the content marketing company. Yeah. Um, I'd said I'd go for six months, so I went mm-hmm. for six months um, because I knew that I didn't want to be in content marketing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, also, having had that kind of re-entry, feeling a bit more confident, feeling that I could run a meeting yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, put a strategy together, um, I felt like I could at that point look for other jobs. Um, and I got a job uh, sort of as a, a exec advisor and running product for this tiny little startup in Somerset House. Um, mm-hmm. With uh, I was friends with the founder and he was basically looking for somebody who could be a bit of a grown-up on the mm, team. Great. 
and he was really happy for me like to do two and a half days a week um and uh i was really happy to do more product management which was something that i was really interested in and i love working with small companies and little teams mm-hmm. um so i worked um for six months there um while i was pregnant with laurie and uh and technically went on maternity leave at the end of that okay but to be honest we were we could be really honest we weren't quite sure where the company was going to be at the point that I wanted to finish that maternity leave I certainly wasn't going to get any maternity pay for it um and um so we were just going to have a really open conversation and I was very prepared to be back in job hunting mode Mm. um at the end of the maternity leave that I had with Laurie Mm-hmm. Okay, so Laurie arrived. Yeah, Laurie arrived. You took uh, so you had the two boys. Yes, and and took... I sort of cheated a bit because I left Sam in nursery <laughs> like yeah. nine till four for three days a week. Um, so actually, I, I did oh my that goodness, too. I shouldn't say I, I cheated. I no, you mustn't didn't. say it. No. I mustn't say it. No, no, no. And no. I, I, I sort of promised myself I wouldn't say it because I don't. I sort of think it. I sort of thought at the time it was cheating, and I don't think anyone should feel like that because it's crazy looking after two kids. And also, there's a benefit to both kids, right? There's. It's not just about you managing it. I think there's a benefit for the elder kid to still have some like proper nursery time, not just sitting next to you while you're feeding or have you. And then there's a benefit for the newborn to have a bit of one-on-one time. time. Yeah, so it's not just Mm -hmm. a self. If you can afford thing. it, I yeah. think it's a really, really good yeah. thing to do. I mean, I had I'm a bigger gap between it. mine, so not necessarily by design, but like there was a bigger gap. So my eldest was already in more full-time childcare. So mm-hmm. I didn't have that conundrum of, oh, do I keep her in a paid nursery while I'm looking after a newborn? Whereas obviously people who have a closer gap do then yeah. have that kind of You feel decision. like, oh, but if I'm at home, I should be, and my child needs childcare, why am I not providing it? But mm. I think you're right. It is, if you can afford it, it is a good setup mm-hmm. um so so you took how long did you take out with him just that? I took a full year with Laurie because yeah. I did feel that I that Sam was really small when he went mm-hmm. to nursery mm-hmm. you know I know you showed me the photo you know, I just Sam's I took a picture of Laurie on his first day at nursery uh which was on just at the beginning of January and there's you know there he is a total a normal person walking around yeah. like oh, able to yeah. talk and there was Sam this tiny oh. little baby like he can't even stand up he's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven yeah. months so- he's only just started on solids um so I wanted to take a year with Laurie yeah. uh and I did and I had a really good chat to the, the company in Somerset House um and the founder um who was very keen for me to come back and I would have if I'd been in my late 20s, I'd have done it like a shot. It would have been so interesting, building a tiny company, getting the funding. Um, mm. But my ambitions had changed and I just didn't feel like I wanted to be there at midnight running budgets and stressing about staff. I wanted to be able to go home at five o'clock and not think about it until nine o'clock the following morning. Yeah. So it's quite interesting because, you know, you had this career before the two of them Mm. and you're saying, you know, you wanted to win. Yeah, and Um, get that perception of having done really well and... Yeah, and you get, you do get, you know, Mm. these women who will continue 
and will you know keep going up the career ladder do you want to win still and I'm just wondering from your perspective now how do you feel how do I feel about that yeah I think I've changed quite a lot so I've had the opportunity to do that I was just trying to remember I was thinking I was working with a headhunter actually when I got pregnant with Laurie and so she was encouraging me to go for a CEO role and I had to give her a call and just say I just I'm not in the right zone and I've just got pregnant and she said she was amazing she said that's totally fine people get pregnant if you want to carry on with this process I will totally support you we can tell them or not we can tell them whenever you want um, and you can totally do a CEO role with a baby um, but she also you know to all credit mm. said it'll be a CEO role with a baby so the experience with the baby is not going to be the same yeah mm. and and I knew that and so I made that conscious decision mm. that I didn't want to do it at that point mm-hmm. because to be honest you can do a big I can do a big role if I really want to if anyone's kind enough to give me one hello right at there. some <laughs> point you know over the next 30 years I'm probably only mm. going to have two children I'm probably going to have only two stretches of very young children mm-hmm. and I wanted to enjoy those so, um, and then I was also um, approached for another role about a year ago that would have been, again, really hardcore. And I just thought it's not the right time. Mm. And I'd been to quite an interesting little workshop called Le- Leaders in Motherhood or something. Called Leaders it. Plus, was it? Am Leaders with babies. Le- yeah. Mm. Um, where I'd, three senior women had talked and they'd said... You don't need to rush this. Mm -hmm. Like, there is that pressure when you're Mm. returning to work after a baby. You think, my God, I've had like 12 months out. How am I going to catch up? Um, And actually, do you know what? If you want to, you can get back in there. Or at any rate, that's what I believe right now. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that the career and the workplace will will help, will adapt with that. <laughs> no, I think it's really good that you believe that, but I still think there's something around confidence mm. and not necessarily your skill base. You know, it's not like if you've worked for 10 years only part-time or a day a week or whatever, that you can't then take on a senior role in those 10 years. But I think I feel like I would have dip in a confidence level to allow me, sorry, to deny me that chance to pitch at a higher level you and mean I've, you have had a dip or um well how old's Ro? Ro is six years right so I haven't reached that 10-year mark that yeah. you're mentioning mm. I reckon yeah I think I have had a dip yeah mm. um not all to do with motherhood but just other th- factors I think funding of projects I would have worked on public funding's definitely changed mm. in mm-hmm. my career path and my career path wasn't built in going into sort of businesses and corporate it was like charities and public sector funded things mm-hmm. um but i think whilst i think it's really great nell you saying that 10 years isn't a massive length of time and i have listened to some of those leaders plus podcasts mm. and they do talk about like it's a marathon not a sprint you know kind mm. of like go easy on yourself mm. and i really get that i still think a lot of women even if they could access a work a role and a workplace again in 10 years time at the level they want to be at or a more senior mm. level whatever that is I think a lot of those women me included 
would not feel confident enough to pitch at that level. You're absolutely right. And I've certainly experienced that loss of confidence as Mm. well. And I absolutely think that's a massive factor. So I was was going to ask you, you know, because it does, I think what you're saying around, you know, you do believe that you can re-enter and that you do believe that you have the ability to, you know, when you're ready, if there is a role there that is, you know, COO, CEO, whatever it happens to be, but a job where there is a lot of pressure and where it's on you, that mindset that you will be able to do it is something that, I mean, I find that inspiring because... I don't yeah. think I necessarily have that. And I think there are a lot of people, yeah. particularly women who don't, um, you know, people talk about things like imposter syndrome and the belief that, yeah, you know, yeah. someone's going to find you out. You know, you're going to be in there and one day you're going to be found out, you know, yeah. who you is this? Who is this? Everybody has imposter syndrome. So, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> they do, they do. But it, women in particular do yeah. struggle with it. You know, it's that. Have you got belief. a fact on this, Lily? Because I always love your facts. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will try and hunt one down. Brilliant. I don't have one at the moment, but I do know. Can I tell you my best imposter syndrome tip, which I heard probably on a podcast, um, which is fabulous, which is to turn around to yourself and go, all right, yeah, I am an imposter. I totally am an imposter. So what is it that they're going to find out about me? And you write it down and you realise what the thing that you're really worried about. And quite often it turns out to be quite a small thing, possibly, Mm. you know, not a key part of your job or your role. And actually, when you start mm. to go, if they found out about this about me, do you think that would probably be okay? Because I can yeah. still do all of this stuff. <laughs> and I was like, and oh. you're like, other people are oh. doing that. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's. I think that's where I was going with this. Was you know, so you do have that belief. So what is it? You know, it. What, you know, how do you get to a point where you think, oh gosh, you know, I can do this? What is it, you know, with every change that you've had, with the decisions you've made, that real self-belief that you can do that if you choose to? I think, so A, I don't have it all the time. No. So okay, it comes fair, and goes, fair. and sometimes mm. I'm more confident than others. Yeah. Um, and B... I've seen people doing big jobs and they're just humans. Yeah. And often people doing big jobs are there kind of just sort of by the vagaries of fate, not mm-hmm. because they've got some innate essence that means that they are the perfect person for that role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's essentially another you. Any of us can do yeah. it, you know, yeah. be sensible and clever and kind and strong and you know mm. go on with it Fantastic. sensible clever kind, kind and strong. strong right oh God. there we go we've got it i, love I think it's the first one i struggle with but the other <laughs> i think it's the second one i struggle with <laughs> um okay well thank you for that um okay so i think there's one big role that we haven't talked about yet which well, I think you left what, four months ago, five months ago. Yeah, so... Um, so your role at Mumsnet, talk yes. to us about that. So I was running product and content for them, which was great because I wanted to do more product management. And it was actually, interestingly, the result of various coffees that we'd had over the past, like, two years, um, which is something I would always recommend. Have those conversations, have that coffee, even if it's not the right role mm. and the right time, 
often that comes to fruition later. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting working at Mum's Net um, because it gave me a vision of what the working place could be like in the future and where the future of work I think is going okay Mm -hmm. because because of the way it was set up it was set up to be a company that worked for parents yeah and so a vast number of the staff it's about 100 people most of them work flexibly in some way or another whether that's a part-time whether that's working from home whether that's different hours um and what it meant was that you immediately got away from the kinds of pitfalls that you normally hit when doing Mm. big roles part-time. Because when everyone works five days a week, you expect to be able to call a meeting at any point. And Mm -hmm. if you're senior enough, everyone will be in, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And what you did at Mumsnet was assume that people weren't going to be in. Mm -hmm. And go, right, okay, well, do we actually need to get together? Because goodness knows there are too many meetings in life. Uh, And if we do need to get together, then there will be some point... you know, at which we all coincide and or someone can ring in. And so it became the norm that everyone worked flexibly and that was totally fine. It's yeah, perfectly right. easy to operate in that yeah. environment yeah. as long as that's your starting point, and that's you can your status quo. get in touch somehow, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think that's a really amazing way to work and it's what we need to spread throughout the workplace and throughout careers um, because... That assumption that you have to be in five days a week to get a job done is just does a disservice to everybody who's trying to parent. Yeah, and not and just not just parents. No, and no, you're right. Just parents. There's this amazing yeah. guy I worked with who does two days a week with a charitable foundation that he's incredibly passionate about, and three days a week mm-hmm. at Mum's Net. Mm-hmm. And the enrichment that you get from doing two things during yeah, a working yeah. week, whether one's parenting or another job, yeah. and the skills that you can then cross-apply mm. is so good. As talking yeah. to somebody about um, getting part-time teachers to work with them at a small school in the country, and they said it's incredible because you get, like, five days' worth of commitment and thought mm-hmm. for the price of three. So you don't get the teaching hours, but you get people who have bring that experience and yeah. you get, uh, you know, people who are invested in your company or your school or whatever it might mm. be who can go, all right, if you're really stuck on Friday, I can move things around and I can be there if you mm-hmm. need me. Yeah. And so you can pull on a much wider network of resource than you might otherwise be able to. So I'm really passionate about that mm. flexible working and how we can spread that around, yeah. having seen it. And my job shop partner, she's not a mother. I thought when they would recruit someone to work alongside me, it probably would be a parent, not necessarily a mother, but a parent. And the person they recruited is fantastic, but she has her other things alongside the role and it's actually quite a nice dynamic and she has empathy to my situation, I have empathy to hers and we work together. And there's and, a complementarity there that's yeah. really useful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not as if, well, I hope not, that... I do a little bit less because I'm the parent and has to leave. And, you know, I think we, you know, we're just quite open and honest about what needs to get done and we work it out. So, yeah, I echo your sentiments. So Mums Net Towers has given you that. And I say Mums Net Towers because I know that's what they call themselves. (laughs) So actually, I like the fact that it's not really, you know, I imagine it to be this building with all these people in it, but actually it's all these people working and dispersed and and working in different places and coming together when they need to, um, which is fantastic. So talk me through that you you quit and you did something that I think a lot of us would dream of doing, but haven't necessarily decided to be bold enough to do it or been in a position to do it but you quit and 
your husband quit his job, is that right? Yep, yep. So he um, is taking a new job that's going to be in a very different format where he's going to be kind of consultant and go and do training and workshops and things. Um, and I wanted to retrain again, thinking about having that length of time. I have another 30 years of work probably. Um, if I, I would like to be working because I would like to do something that is being more useful to the world and bringing interest into my life and that partly we talked about that early goal of wanting to win mm -hmm. and with children that's definitely changed mm -hmm. that's become actually it's not about winning like if you want a senior role do it because you really love that mm. kind of job mm -hmm. not because people are going to go oh you're a oh goodness well you're done yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and so and so it's not about kind of oh getting to the top and then finishing as soon as you possibly can so that you can retire and enjoy life mm -hmm. because Oh my goodness, what a waste. Um, the amount of people that do that, though. <laughs> and of course, yeah. because it's really hard when you're in that mindset. Um, and um, I guess what having children does is help you to step aside from that mindset and think, oh, hang on a second. Um, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And that's that mm. old chestnut of if I'm going to leave my baby to do something, it better be something that's, that's worthwhile. worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so I have rethought what it is that I'm actually aiming for and the, the length of time that I want to do that over and so I'm retraining I'm learning getting my head around machine learning and pattern recognition and trying to understand how AI works because I think that it is a discipline that's coming that people in content don't really understand yet um, and that there is a job there that I think is really interesting in doing that translation and I don't yet know whether that leads to working out what policy should be, how we can make the online experience safer or mm. better. Um, but I'm taking some time out now to do that learning, which I'm really looking forward to because I get to use my brain in a completely academic way. Um, and I can again do that quite flexibly three days a week while mm. looking after the boys. Because there's an interesting thing that uh, a recruiter said to me when I, it was actually when I um, withdrew from the process for this kind of high-powered job about 12 months ago, she said, you think that you want to work part-time while your children are babies because they really need you. But actually, as they get older, you find that you still want to spend part-time time with your children and maybe they need you even more. So don't expect there to be suddenly this moment where you're like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, they're mm. kids. So now I can do my big, big five-day-a-week full-on job. Yeah. Um, and that was really telling and it really hit home with me and made me think about what kind of job I wanted to do. So it's helped you make this decision. So everything, all the experiences you've had, I guess, in the last five years have culminated in this decision to effectively go and retrain. We are in... And we're coming to the end of January and yep. you are going to learn about something extremely exciting. Yeah. And you're not sure what you're going to do with it, essentially, in the yeah. long term, is, yeah. where, is, is where I think you're at. Is, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You're also doing something that I have to say, I don't really know very much about. 
<laughs> so when machine you learning. First, yeah, when you said to me, I'm going to go and teach myself machine learning, I had the image of like, I don't know, a sewing machine. I thought machine knitting. <laughs> I swear, no, no, no. I was thinking, oh, now it's going to go, my, yeah. Now it's going to go. Oh, it was hilarious. It was because... because thing is you talk about artificial intelligence yeah. and then everyone you talk about who's working in that area goes oh you can't call it artificial intelligence it's definitely not artificial intelligence it's machine learning and pattern recognition so it's definitely not cool <laughs> to say that you're trying to learn ai uh so uh, but then when you go back into the real world everyone's like what the hell is machine learning <laughs> um so yeah so so, so it, but it is the future. You could that's write right. the dummies guide for it as well. Yeah, you know, maybe. Like, because like, like, <laughs> that's always what I quite like to yeah. do is to come in and be, a, uh, you know, and try and get in my head around stuff, mm, um, yeah. new stuff. And I think that because yeah, you've done a lot of different things yeah, over yeah. those, yeah, those uh, jobs, haven't you? So I'm going to ask you, I guess, probably what is maybe a final question, unless there's anything else that you want to ask, Laura. Well, you ask your question. Okay, no, yeah, I'll ask. Okay, so I'll ask this question. So. Nell Bowes. Yes, Lily. Lily's teacher voice going on. Yeah, sorry. Sorry for the teacher voice. If you could look into the future, Mm. where do you see yourself in five years' time? In five years' time? So I think I would have got my head round a new discipline. Mm -hmm. I would really hope that that was intellectually stimulating um, and that I found myself in a job that where I could bring some real value to the society that we live in. Uh, That brings a decent wage with it, which is probably more about being recognised as much as being able to kind of keep a family in the style to which it's accustomed. Mm -hmm. Um, That um, my partner and I are able to really genuinely share the parenting in a way that doesn't really start off that way when you are have a very tiny baby and mm-hmm. you're breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Kind of have overcome that starting inequality that everyone faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and to feel like I was really looking forward to the next 20 years of work. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Wow. I just feel a little bit kind of overwhelmed by the amount <laughs> you've done in the past yeah. five years, let alone the five years going <laughs> forward. <laughs> well, I was going to ask a question to both of you again, and then I was going to do my standard wrap-up questions mm-hmm. for the podcast as That's well. Fine. So the question to you is, uh, we mentioned the Leaders Plus, and I'd said I'd listened to a few of their episodes, mm. and there was a lady, and apologies, can't remember her name, but a senior lady in the NHS in mental health, talking around a portfolio career and I've never really like heard this phrase or understood this phrase but then I was reflecting on that we were going to be interviewing you and Lily had mentioned you'd done quite a lot of different things and you had this background in science but then you've managed teams really successfully and then you've like come into journalism and come into like different fields whether it's a startup or a marketing field and you know so you've done quite a bit right yeah and people talk about transferable skills and jobs and and you're an HR professional, Lily. I was like, how do people really do that well? Or is it down to individuals making it work? Like, can all of us, in our own little paths and bubbles, really make different jobs, different roles, fully transferable and fully call them a portfolio of work? Mm-hmm. Can we? Or is it actually quite unique to 
you and a few others now that manage it successfully? Cool. Well, that's a big, a big question, isn't it? Um, that's a chunky one, I have to say. I think... So, I think it's very easy to talk about transferable skills and then if you've ever tried to write them down on your LinkedIn or your CV, it's mm. completely impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, or else they all feel kind of obvious. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm really passionate. The ability to do a job, yeah. like, yeah. you know, effectively manage my time. You yeah. know? Yeah. If you get to, like, 40 and you can't manage your time, then... <laughs> um, so... Oh, <laughs> you did say sensible with your uh, downfall, Lily. I've got so. a few years, three years. Mm. Go on, go on. Um, I think um, so. The 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 easy thing for me is that some of the stuff that is definitely transferable is that ability to manage and grow a team, and most an awful lot of roles have that element. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that applies basically in any discipline or department mm. I think mm. um and you know I, and that involves things like having moral courage and mm. taking responsibility for your team and making sure that I mean this is what how I kind of talk to mm. anybody who's taking on management yeah. under me is to say yeah. look here are the things that are really important yeah. take well, responsibility yeah. for your team when stuff goes wrong, own that failure, work out what you can do to fix it and how to not do it again next time. When you get glory, make sure you're passing it on to the right people yeah. that deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you're communicating and talking to your team. Um, and um, all of that, all of the sort of stuff that I've you know, painfully learned over the last 20 years mm. of that is applicable in any role Mm. so there is transferable stuff in that way um i think that it's quite difficult to transfer between disciplines because simply spending time in those Mm. disciplines gives you an edge in a lot of ways but if what you can do is translate between disciplines and departments then that translation skill is definitely transferable Mm -hmm. um thing the thing that i've learned about moving a lot between different companies is there's a massive overhead to change mm-hmm. so you have to learn a new company's way of doing things and how to get stuff done within mm. that particular culture and so for example I spent eight years at the Guardian I knew how that worked mm. and it takes a long time to build that up it's about individual personalities it's about roles it's about the historical things that have gone on and when you arrive at a new company and people go oh no we can't do that it's because something went massively wrong two <laughs> years ago that you've no idea about so um I think it's people talk about transferable skills a lot but it's actually quite hard to work out to encapsulate what they are and what ones you might have yourself mm. and it becomes quite specific to what you're trying to do mm. is that any good is no, that, that is useful quite, yeah that is that is really useful and Lily from an HR perspective or from your personal perspective anything you would chip in on that or if I if I were to talk from an HR perspective it would become quite um prescriptive in terms of you know mm. this is what a skill set is and and this is what you can do to hone mm. it and, and mm. so on and so forth um, I think Nell's probably summed it up a lot better than I could, <laughs> to be honest, um, in terms of transferable skills. Yeah. I think um, my dad always used to say, you know, if you can 
read Mm. um, then you can go and learn to do something else and you can go and pick up a new skill Mm. Um, that's incredibly true so I would say you know if you know don't don't feel like you have to build a portfolio career if you don't necessarily want to if you've already found where you're happy or where you're you've got you know job satisfaction and so on but if you've got something that's driving you to do something else if Mm. you want to go and learn something new if you want to do and try you Mm. know a new job a new skill etc etc I do think that pretty much all of us have it in us to go and do that yeah um and as long as you apply your passion to something and your energy to something Mm. then I think you can go and do it essentially absolutely and there's a bit that I wanted to mention earlier there's something I think that is quite relevant also to that transition when you move your career and relevant also to the confidence that you have to go for particular roles Mm. which I feel incredibly strongly about having had to develop roles and you know advertise for them in a number of different companies and ways is that there's no such thing as an intrinsic job in an awful lot of companies a job is a construction Mm -hmm. so you can actually construct it however you want and you definitely don't need to say this has to be a five day a week job Mm -hmm. you can say we need to get this thing done within this company Mm -hmm. and We can work out what people and skills we need to Mm -hmm. get that thing done. And if it turns out that the person at the top of that team only works two days a week or three days a week or four days a week or they work in this particular way, then you just build the team underneath them in the right way. Mm. And if the people in that team can only work in that way, that again, you jigsaw that together. And at first glance, that looks a bit, oh, God, that sounds very complicated. Um, and how are we going to predict that? But actually, most jobs, and I, I wonder if you would agree with this, Lily, from an HR point of view, most jobs in most companies mm. are patchwork together over mm. a period of time. Yeah. And they always depend on the particular skills of the people who happen to end up in them. Mm-hmm. And so the, if you can get into the right mindset, any job can be flexible mm-hmm. and you can move and you can create that right role. And that's also partly up to us mm. to ask for it and to say, I can do this. Mm. It's also up to companies and the people who are building those teams to, to be open to, to it. Be open to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which we've touched on in previous episodes. And I think it'll be really good for our listeners to sort of hear that again and, you know, have it have been illustrated through your career path as well is, is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to wrap up then... Um, my comedy questions at the end. <laughs> no, they're very serious <laughs> and important. And exactly. Yeah. Um, we ask our interviewees now to uh, rate their sort of current work-life balance, their kind of balance of motherhood and what they're doing on a scale of one to five. So five being the best and one being the worst. So um, would you... When I do that, so, um, well, you see, you catch me at a very interesting moment, like right at the beginning of something before I know how awful it's going to be. (laughs) So I would definitely say five. (laughs) I don't know, we've had a five before, have we? Or maybe Colette went high, she went high. Um, Yeah, so um, I say five in January, um, ask me in March. (laughs) With your positivity hat on, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, you should be positive because it sounds great. It sounds like you've really reflected and researched what it is that makes you tick and what you're good at and so why can't it be maintained right? we'll have a go but then the other thing is like it's all about 
trying it out. Mm. So with the, it's the learning from product management, the prototype end. it. Mm. It's never going to be the final product. There's a fantastic book called mm. Designing Your Life, which is like, it's not about getting that perfect job. It's about enjoying mm. this one and working out what your next step might be. That's great. Shall I ask the final question? Go on then, Lily. So the final question is, can you tell us who inspires you? Oh, Lord. Um, I See, I find this a really difficult question, which again makes me question myself. Like, how? who am I that I don't look up to like lots and lots of different people? But it doesn't have to be looking up. I, uh, but I, I am inspired by... Oh, gosh. Um... So there are things that I would definitely draw on that influence me. So I look at, this is going to sound so cheesy, my mum, mm-hmm. who I didn't really understand her career path when I was in my 20s and it was all about winning. And now I look at it and I go, wow, she found this incredible area of research that she was very, very talented at and quietly kind of got on with it while managing to move to this incredibly beautiful place in the Scottish Highland. Um, And you go, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And it's something that you kind of want to do until, like, yeah, you sort of retire, but you still keep doing it because it's so interesting. I mean, how good would that be to have that kind of career? Well, thank you. Thank you to Lily for interviewing Nell so lovely and um, insightful. And I think the fact that you knew each other and had that insight, but also I'm sure you've learned stuff around Nell through this. I've learned lots about Nell today. Good, good. And thank you to you, Nell, for welcoming us to podcast record you. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. I've had a lovely time and I just think, yeah, returning to work is weird and hard and if we can help any of each other do it by sharing the experiences, that's got to be a good thing. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. you. You've been listening to the Mother of All Solutions with me, Laura Broderick, Lily Anderson-Nichols and Nell Bose. You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions. The Mother of All Solutions is produced and hosted by Laura Broderick and edited by me, Owen Waynehouse. Music for this episode is Night and Day by D. Yan Key, licensed under Creative Commons via the Free Music Archive. <laughs>